Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amaze and Perplex podcast. Today we're going to be continuing our series in Elijah, uh, found in 1 Kings. Uh, and so to start us off today, I want to ask this question. Has there ever been a time for you, and, and I'm asking you, listener, as well as Jason and myself, has there ever been a time where you wanted something from God, prayed to him for it, and it was all, it was a timely thing that you needed, you needed answered, you wanted, uh, and it just kept not happening. That prayer prayer kept on going unanswered or just you kept getting a no back and eventually maybe that prayer was fulfilled in one way or the other um and you then realize after the fact oh okay i see why it didn't happen the way in the time that i wanted it to happen has something like that ever happened for you i actually had several examples uh, i recently had a reunion uh that was like a 50 year reunion of a program i was part of and lots of reminders of these kind of things i'll, I'll pick one um, when I was, when I first realized that God had a plan for me, I didn't know what it was, but he kept dragging me into these ministry things. I really wanted that guy, that, um, that person. Uh, and matter of fact, I remember early on in our marriage, I would talk about the, the I know this sounds silly, but the karate kid had a huge impact on me when I was 13, <laughs> uh, 12, 13. And so I remember telling, um, telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, I just feel like I'm looking for this Miyagi. You know, I'm looking for my person that will help me. Um, sometimes I won't get it, but to lead me through. And so I would latch on to a leader, uh, another person, somebody I perceived as strong. Uh, sometimes I'd put that on Heather, you know, to provide that leadership. And um, what was fascinating was I was looking for one attribute or one quality, and I wasn't getting it. And so that actually stretched probably for a solid decade from wow. the first time I realized this is what I want until I got a sense of it. And, and the shift was I was in a conversation with a guy who – and it's ironic because now he doesn't even believe there's a God, this kind of thing. But he was really powerful in this conversation for me. So I, I don't know. I just think that's interesting. But he was like, what if you're the Miyagi? You know, and I was like, you obviously didn't see the show. <laughs> I'm like, wait till Cobra Kai comes out, then you'll know. What if we're all Miyagi man? And I'm like, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> anyway, but but I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, it's like once I allowed that, I could see that God had been providing Miyagi all along. Like, like I could even go through key people in my life that were just giving me one thing, you know. And, and maybe it's 10, but you see what I'm saying? They, they weren't the fullness of it. And, of course, in a movie – it gets confusing if he had 12 Miyagis, you know I mean? Sure. It, it was useful to have one and you don't want a five hour movie about this kid winning a, you know, whatever karate <laughs> tournament, you know, but it, but it is that idea of God, God used, I believe my looking for my benefit. Like, like had I not been looking, I might not have noticed it, but in mm. my looking, um, I was, I was picking up things. I just wasn't picking up everything I thought I should get. And I would vacillate between being upset with the guy and upset with me, like, well, it's because I'm too dumb to get this, you know what I mean? Or I wish they were more whatever it is I felt I lacked. But in looking back, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can tell you at least one thing, if not three or four, of each of these men that provided something fabulously needed for me, much of which I didn't appreciate at the time. And so to some degree, the the fulfillment of it, I'm, I'm certain it's still happening now, 
But if you're asking me about my mentors, I, I would have two stories. One is what I thought I needed and they didn't give me. And then what I got and I didn't even know I needed it. Mm-hmm. Man, that is really profound. I, that, I love that so much. And I, I this is another podcast like there's a whole other podcast uh, episode, but I would just I, it, the, how that worked out for you. And now that I assume many, many people would re- would refer to you as their Miyagi um, and how that <laughs> how that is how that is played out. Oh. The, the look on Jason's face there was really funny. I wish I wish you could have seen it, listener. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I would I I would uh, I would love that. And especially I think about like I came to you looking for a mentor to one degree or the other, although I wouldn't have phrased it that way because I'm sorry to admit I've never actually seen Karate Kid. I've We're heard, done. I've We're heard, done. I've heard like five separate preachers use it as a like sermon <laughs> illustration, so I think I've got the gist of it. <laughs> the uh, 80s was a hungry time for inspiration. Just say that. No, I mean, yeah, the Transformers and uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I think the only movies I've actually seen from the 80s. I think wow. those came from the 80s. But uh, anyways, no, I, I remember looking for you in that, and I think it'd be really funny if you had told me told me that what what you just told me at the beginning and being like, yeah, man, like my the best mentorship for me, the best discipling for me um, was the fact that I was never actually satisfied in my discipler or in my mentor. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, there's something deeply profound about that. Uh, and I, I, I wonder, like, for you, would you even be willing to like pray to God and be like, man, if somebody is like me, I would just pray that this person that I'm working with, that I'm discipling, finds me lacking um, mm. in some serious and and yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I think that'd be a, that'd be a cool thing to track through some of the people. That, that is fascinating. And several of the people that I would have told you at the moment was, man, these these are just amazing people. They've had implosions in their faith, and to God's glory, they they just won't quit. You know, they won't quit on God. Um, but that's been really good for me. Not that I want them to be hurt, um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it, on so many different levels, you know. Yeah. yeah, that that is that is really good, and I think I just want to leave that there um, because that is uh, there's so much there that I I would uh, I would want to dive into, and so I don't want to add mine to to further because I think what you said there is is possibly going to be really helpful for when we have this conversation um, about First Kings. Um, and so if you didn't hear at the end of last week's episode, we're going to be talking about First Kings chapter 18 verses 1 through 15. Uh, and so if you haven't read it, you want to stop right now and go read that. Um, but Jason, would you just kind of give us a quick walkthrough of, of what happens? Yeah, so, you know, if, if you've been following along or if you read the previous chapter, um, you know that Elijah kind of comes out of nowhere, and one of his first assignments is to go to a king that is not honoring God and tell him there's going to be a famine. And so the last chapter kind of details what Elijah was doing, but we don't know what anybody else was doing. And so these first few verses set up uh, what is most likely the most famous thing. If you know anything about Elijah, the, these next 15 verses will set up what happens there. But it's this interaction where God tells Elijah to go and tell the king, hey, it, this is going to end. I'm, rain is coming. The famine will end. Uh, and he, so Elijah ran in, into a guy named Obadiah and Obadiah is a Christ or a God follower, um, but has kept it close to the vest. You know, he hadn't challenged, you know, Ahab directly like God has led, um, Elijah to do. And, uh, a lot of fear on Obadiah's part, because apparently during these three years, there's been a manhunt like a, apparently over these last three years, there has been a manhunt that's been very intense and so for Obadiah to show up and tell Ahab, hey, I know I met Elijah. There's a chance Obadiah gets told, hey, how did you meet him and where did you know beforehand? So, And there's a lot of secrecy because Obadiah has been doing some stuff behind the scenes for God's purposes. Uh, and, you know, you can get really scared over that. So anyway, so basically it ends, 15 ends with Obadiah saying, okay, I'm convinced I'll go 
I'll basically set up your your meet. Um, and then we're left as, you know, like on this cliffhanger of, okay, how's that going to go, which will be next time. So as we process through that, I'm curious, how did this hit you? Like, like what stuck out to you, Connor? Yeah, man, there, there's, there's so much here. Um, and so much pertains to what we just talked about in the opening. But I, I think for me, what I, what I'm just really like honing in on this passage is like, why now? Why after all this time? Um, and even, even maybe slightly sillier, but also like, I think could be pertinent to how we walk with God today. So it says, so it says at the beginning of the chapter, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. Uh, I will send rain on the land. I will end this drought. What is so, um, yeah, what's so fascinating to me about here is like, what what would it have been like for Elijah? Like, does he feel urgency? Because um, obviously, people are drastically suffering. There is a like this famine, this drought. It is causing all sorts of problems. And God says, "Hey, when you do X, I will then lift the pain, the suffering, the burdens of all these people." Um, and yeah, I mean, I would love to get the insight of what is going on in Elijah's brain. There's not a, but but even then, in the text, there's not this sin. Like it, it does seem like in a timely manner, Elijah gets up and, and goes. But for the people who are suffering, I would just love to see the reaction. Um, you know, like I mean, when you're in suffering, when you're in pain. Um, and somebody is kind of like seemingly dragging their feet of like if, if you've ever been in the hospital and somebody's dragging their feet on like getting you that sweet, sweet morphine, um, you, like, you, you know, the feeling of like, oh, you see the nurse having a conversation about nothing with the other nurse. You're like, get in here and, and fix this. Right. And so as, as so God gives Elijah this power, um, this responsibility that and and yeah, I would just love to, to talk about or to think about or to imagine um, how that how that affects us to think about the, the promises that God gives us um, and how how quickly we seek to carry them out and how quickly um, or maybe lack how the lack of quickness that we have for it. There, there's so much there that I feel like we could go into. I, I love you bringing that up because it's one of those things that because the action moves on, I don't ask myself these questions a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we have three years. We don't know at what point he left the you know, the ravine where he was hiding and moved in, you know, to this place that this lady owned. Um, but functionally, that's three events. You know what I mean? Um, so what's he doing the rest of the time? And how would it, like, is he the kind of person, like I have people this, like this in my life where I'm like, man, I've been really concerned for you. And you're like, yeah, I haven't. Like, oh, okay. Like you're not concerned for yourself. Okay. So is Elijah like that? And I don't know what we can glean about his personality, but I can't imagine. It's, it's a good thing you didn't have social media or, you know. Uh-huh online news or whatever, you know, CNN, because it's good that he's not getting these messages from everywhere. That would have been oppressive. And you would feel, how can you not feel responsible if you're standing with Mm -hmm. God and it is causing these people sustained pain and might, I remind myself, no infrastructure. Yeah. You know, they, they hadn't planned for this years. They didn't know there's going to be a famine. They didn't have what we have. They didn't have the ability to communicate with people a thousand miles away to bring water. So, I mean, there has to be a death count. Yeah. Well, and even I think about you were as you were summing up what our passages today, I was thinking about Obadiah. And and when I first read this, like this morning, like looking over it, I kind of have this perception of Obadiah. Like he, he, he talks about like, you know, being he seems very afraid of the idea of Elijah confronting him and, and seems afraid for himself. But then I you, you said something that specifically sparked in my mind a lot. Obadiah is specifically responsible for what is it? A hundred or 
right 150 yeah. people um that love the love the lord and if something happens to them will pro- something like they will probably not survive and so like how what god is doing through obadiah and what god is doing through elijah here um and on the one hand i go like man obadiah like you're, you love you love god and you recognize that elijah is a prophet like why are you so like and uh, well and i put myself in a, of course like i'd be like this is reckless like i have protected like i love god so much that i'm putting my life on the line for all these hundreds of people um um, and like what, what you're saying, God wants you to do is going to put these people in jeopardy because it's going to put me in jeopardy. Um, and how they negotiate this situation is, is so fascinating. Um, because I think for me, when I read the old Testament, I tend to think of like, well, th- well, the guy with, you know, there's, there's the guy who loves, who loves Yahweh, the guy who loves God. And then there's people who hate God. And those are the, those are the conflicts here. Yeah. But then you have these very real conflicts where people, where two people love God and seemingly one's actions could put the other person in danger and, the, and a hundred and so other people danger. And so, um, I think that just feels so relevant to how we think about unity and faith and, and how we carry out the mission of God today. I think that's, that's tremendous. Yeah. I, I, I'm starting to think, okay, I'm living there, and um, who whose funeral was the day before it started raining? There had to be one. You <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean, who, I, I always think about this, about Moses getting to town, you know, he's been gone for 40 years, and so, but there's some people that knew him, you know, and he's like, hey, God, God is coming, and we're getting out of here, and thinking, really? Because uh, I remember my babies being killed. And um, where was this God then, you know, which calls to the question in terms of application from my heart is what do I immediately assume? Well, God's not in that based on what? Well, it's very ugly, difficult. People are dying. Innocent people are suffering. And it's like, well, I don't know if you've read the Bible, but this is clear, you know. And again, we I go back to it's not like God's trying to hide this. He literally leads Elijah to a lady that says, yeah, we're going to eat this last meal and die. And she's presenting it like, this is just how people do things now because we have no choice. And so God's not trying to pretend like this isn't causing everybody suffering. And it's just like, really, God, is it worth this point? And and only because I trust God do I think it's well worth it. But I'm not going to pretend like if this is happening right now, and it's not if, like Ukraine, like step in and end this thing, God. There's a lot of good people suffering. Now, I'm assuming they're good people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't assume they're bad people on either side. I mean, there are some bad people, obviously, but I don't assume every Russian soldier is some incarnation of of evil, you know, Um, but it is that thing. God, why don't you step in? There can be where, how can you say there's a good God if this is going on? Or how can you say God is all powerful if this is going on? And the thing is, yeah, God works in really harsh realities in the context of a fallen world. Yeah. And I always go back to that. We've referenced this before. Matter of fact, it was our study of this that really sparked this a month ago or so where we're talking about that parable about the seed or they, uh, they seed the ground well and the wheat's going to grow and they go in and seed weeds. I don't know if you say you seed weeds, but plant a <laughs> weed. They, they did the weed thing, whatever that is. And then the, the people the next day, the people tending this garden, this field is like, yeah, we should remove this. Yeah, absolutely. And the master's like, no, leave it in. Well, that seems in the parable seems pretty innocuous. Okay, weeds are grown with wheat. But when the weeds are hurting you mm-hmm. and the weeds result in deep pain in your life, you're like, why didn't you just weed this out in the first place? And God's like, I, I the world fell. Yeah. And I honor free will. And that means evil is going to hurt you. Yeah. And sometimes evil that, man, this is a harsh thing to say. I don't even know how to say it better. And I'm sure maybe a listener can. But evil that I created. 
Mm. You know, he created this not rain. You know, and he says later on in the New Testament, he's like, hey, I, I make it rain on the just and unjust, or I make it not rain on anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a harsh thing. Yeah, that 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 is very heavy, and I think it's important. Um that that's just something we sit with sometimes um and just let that be a reality not need to explain it away and not need to um try to bumble through two to three minutes of a monologue like i just previously did um (laughs) and just recognize that it's hard um and just because something is hard doesn't mean that god didn't mean it for it to be something that we go through uh so what what else uh in this passage is striking out to you I think Obadiah's role and what Obadiah reveals is simply fascinating. You just ask, this is one of those things, I'm like, why? Why? If Elijah could find Obadiah, couldn't God have led him to find Ahab, you know, and skip this whole encounter? And so if the encounter encounter is included, then I'm like, why? Um, And I'm not suggesting I have all the reasons, but it, it is, it's a perplexing twist to me. That being said, I, I think Obadiah's position is fascinating because if you didn't know about Obadiah's position, and maybe this is why it's here, you would simply think Ahab evil and no godly people are there. Well, then you see that when they split up to go look for Elijah, Ahab says, I'll go in this direction. And you, well, they're not even looking at Elijah at this point. They're looking for any water so they don't have to kill all their animals. You know what I mean? And it's not like it says what you would think it would say, Ahab chose two of his people and sent them out. It's like, okay, Obadiah, you go that way and I'll go this way. So it's like, what is happening in the palace? Do you just distrust everybody at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it clearly doesn't trust people because when you go to a country, they had to swear that Elijah wasn't in there. That's how angry Ahab was. And another thing just popped in my head, Ahab, think about this. If you have an enemy and you don't believe in their God, you know, and then they say, my God says it won't be raining. And you're like, <laughs> and then it doesn't rain the next day. And you're like, oh, weird. You know, two days, five days. Oh, well, you know, 10 days, 12 days. And I don't know who their meteorologist was, but they had somebody that was like, hey, this is getting concerning. You know, maybe mm-hmm. their head of agriculture comes and said, hey, I don't know how it's going to go. So then at what point do you recognize, uh-oh, are you at a month? Are you two months? Are you three months, five months? Is the end of the first year and it all of a sudden dawns on you? Why are our, you know, like a lot of things happen in the world. We don't, we don't notice the cause until we notice the effect. Hey, all of our animals are dying or our crops weren't good this year or whatever it is. What happened? Did it then dawn on Ahab? Oh, mm-hmm. is this what Elijah said? And instead of saying, trying, sending out a message to Elijah, say, I'm so sorry. He's like, I won't kill that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So he starts a massive manhunt, you know, doesn't find him and a lot of anger. And yet when it comes time to like, well, we got to rescue these animals. He sent up, it's almost like he's an equal. I trust me, so I'm going this way, and I trust you, Obadiah, so you go this way. Isn't it fascinating how God is not hindered by the evil of a person? Yeah. Well, and I think it's even fast. So you have Ahab and his wife who are just like, obviously they reject Yahweh and they reject his power. My, my understanding is that they would probably like, they would probably be like, oh yeah, Yahweh's a God, but he's just not as cool as our gods and you know, whatever. Right. And the belief of this Yahweh, like the worship of this Yahweh is a direct like political um, like act against them. It's, it's a undermining of them because you know, Yahweh doesn't endorse him as king, doesn't endorse their rule. And so if somebody is worshiping Yahweh, they're saying, hey, like you're not really like, you're not a good king. 
thinking you're not worthy of this. Um, and so, so what I, what I think is so, um, what is so crazy is that in the midst of this, in the midst of this hostile, um, like this hostile kingdom that wants to, um, <laughs> that wants to eradicate all worship of Yahweh, Yahweh then somehow allows a deep, like committed believer and follower and worshiper of him to ascend to the second rank. Um, and it's not like a passive, like you get the sense like early on with Joseph that it's like when he becomes, you know, in charge, like there's respect. Oh, Yahweh's this good God. But like, you know, there, there isn't this direct butting of heads at that point of the, of the gods of Egypt and Yahweh. But there's these two gods in direct conflict. Um, and yet secretly, Yahweh raises up a, a person to be second in command of this country. Um, and that this is a way that somebody can act faithfully in a um, unjust and an evil idolatrous uh government is is so um i think it's, it's not prescriptive but it's helpful to remind that like hey when god is going to paint his picture with an individual it can look like almost absolutely anything and and honestly like you wonder the people that obadiah saves and rescues like you wonder like how long has obadiah gone along with ahab and his unrighteous behavior and his unrighteous rule um and like it, it, there's so much there to, to, to say about how how we interact with modern politics and in governments um that th th there's just so much there but obviously from the fact that he can keep like a hundred people alive secretly in a cave in the midst of a drought and a famine means that he his resource Sources, um are second only to the king mm -hmm. oh wow everything you said there you you use the phrase it's not prescriptive tell me more about that i i, I think i know where that is yeah, but I, make I, sure. I, I would say that like i think the answer is not okay i love god and i find myself in a society or a community that is hostile to god that means I need to secretly, you know, infiltrate the government and rise up <laughs> as, high, as high as I can. Um, I, I do think I, I do think the, there's a prescriptive element of if there's a government that is oppressing and trying to kill a kill kill a group of people. I do think it is an imperative of a follower of God to do what you can to protect them, even if that means lying and sneaking behind their back. But I, I don't think the idea of like to do that, you have to be in the government and you have to be at these high levels um, and you can't. So that, that's what I kind of mean by that. Uh, that is that's yeah. Then that's where I thought it was going. That super helpful to me. I, I love that thought because you have anytime you study the Bible, you have multiple levels, you know, but two of the most obvious is, okay, what's happening here? What do we learn? And then the second piece is, okay, what do I do with this? How do I take this knowledge and make it into wisdom, meaning usable knowledge day to day? So on one hand, this raises the possibilities are endless. And I'm repeating what you said there. Um, is the most pleasing guy to God right now, uh, well, I can't remember his last name, President Putin's right-hand man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, or, or, <laughs> yeah. or is it, uh, Zelensky's right-hand man, you know, mm -hmm. or it's both, you know, mm -hmm. is God doing his best work in Russia right now? Because mm -hmm. we would say, no, I mean, it, how desperate it is. I have friends that have lived in Russia. My brother lived in Russia for a while. Painful, painful conversation. Simultaneously, I have friends that have lived in Ukraine. Painful, painful. I had friends that had to leave Ukraine. Uh, when it, when the invasion happened, I had friends who were planning to move to Ukraine when the invasion happened. So now now they're in different countries, you know, watching for what will God do, and and so on one hand, I have my friends who are functioning in maybe the Elijah role. They're a little bit apart from it. And they're doing their stuff, but then there are people I don't know, possibly, and all almost I can assert most likely that are right there that I would say, you know, 
the, the first thing you need to do, like, what, what does God want me to do? I'd be like, well, the first thing is quit the army <laughs> of the people invading, you know? But King Ahab was evil, you know, unquestioning, evil. And God was against him, like you said. And Obadiah says, I think I'm going to keep this job. Yeah. Well, and the question is why? Mm-hmm. And the answer I would have to say from the data we have is because God wanted him to. So then it's like, it's like you said, anything is possible. The, the operative dynamic then, the takeaway for me is, how did Obadiah know? And at the root of it, it's because he kept asking. He kept asking, God, what do you want? And how did Elijah know? Because he kept asking. The, the big thing that could have derailed both of these men's lives was to stop asking, to assume they knew. Mm-hmm. Even Obadiah right now, I, I think if you'd have given Obadiah more time, his fear would have turned to anger. I think his fear was more palpable because he had to think of it all the time. But then there had to be a thing because he wasn't there for the meeting when God told Elijah to cut the water off, mm-hmm. you know, or, or say to, to inform Ahab God was going to cut the water off. And so there had to be that part. It's like there's a comedian talks about if you're Abraham's servant and Abraham comes back and says, everybody needs to be circumcised. You're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Can we talk this over? Can we have a next meeting, you know, because before I do this, I want to know, you know, kind of thing. And I think there's tons of stuff that God does that you're not in the initial meeting, yeah, that's and but you have to, okay, now what do I do with this? And and to trust that the information God does give you is what you need, even if it's not the information he's given somebody else, that's a big trust. Yeah. And I would say, so even, not to like, this is not me tearing down Elijah at all, but the fact that the word of the Lord comes to him and tells him to do something and then he goes and does it is admirable because we see it throughout the Bible and in our own lives that we oftentimes will hear God say something to do something and mm-hmm. we completely reject it and run away from it. Right. So that's admirable and faithful of Elijah. But then, like you said, Obadiah was not a part of this meeting and he has a deep, deep fear that he allows us to see that God allows us to see and then still chooses to trust and have faith and believe that God is doing something in this other person. And so then I go, I'm not to say, you know, one is more beautiful than the other, but for me, like I'm now reading this because before I read it, I was like, Oh, Obadiah is fearful. And he's like, man, you got to trust Elijah. He's probably like, no, the act of faith, the ability to, to not hide the fact that he's afraid, the, the ability to be actively concerned and to not like hide, hide them. Um, but still to ultimately trust that God is doing work in other people's lives is a, um, I, I'm not saying it's more faithful or it's better faith than Elijah, but for me, if I'm placed in either one of those positions, I think the thing that I would struggle with a lot more would be placed in Obadiah's position. Yeah. So, oh man, a phrasing of that really hit me and I've totally lost it. This is the old brain coming. If only it was recorded. Yes. <laughs> uh, now I just, I, I guess it's that idea. He, oh, I got it. Obadiah is being asked to exercise different faith muscles than Elijah. So, so we have this general faith, but the way it applies and the way it works, even in your personality, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have a different personality than I do. You have different life experience than I do. So when, even if we're in the same situation, it, it stands to reason you would have to do things a little bit differently by your faith. And, and so in, in some ways, what is faith? It's one thing, but I think if, if we were to categorize these are different aspects of faith, Obadiah is leaning into something very different, you know, and God having, you know, knit both of these men in their mother's wombs, knows this is what Elijah needs, this is what Obadiah needs, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know enough about Elijah to know how it would work if you flipped roles, you know, but I have to think God knows, yeah, we shouldn't be flipping those roles, (laughs) you know, which is exactly, you know, Peter's saying about John there and what's it, the last chapter, second last chapter of John, last chapter of John, where he's like, what about, what about John? Like he told him, this is how you will die. And he's like, okay, hey, what about John? <laughs> if I'm going to die, you better believe he'd better be dying. He's like, I ain't talking. If, if I want him to stay alive forever and ever, mm. you know, what's that to you? And he's like, oh, okay. You know, but yeah. honestly, if I'm standing there, it's a lot to me. 
Because we judge everything about what the other person is doing. Yeah, you know? and, and I think this speaks to the beauty of the intimacy that we can find with God um, and the kind of faith that we can have. Like if we have deep intimacy with God, then that allows us to trust that other people are also having deep int- intimacy with God. So good. Where if I feel disconnected from God and I feel like anger with him or feel like he's not present, I'm much more likely to believe, oh, Jason's talking like he's, you know, like he's like really intimate with God, but like... But I've said that before, and and so like I'm I'm distrusting. I'm gonna dis, I'm going to distrust you more than I would if I felt deeply connected with God. Um, and so like I I the, for me that's just opening up a whole like a whole new realm in terms of how I think about how I relate to other believers. Like I'm wondering now when I have felt. Um, and again, believers hurt each other all the time. People love God hurt and and don't do the right thing all the time. But I'm talking about genuine, um, genuine people genuinely trying to follow God and make and make the best decision they can um, with the Holy Spirit. I think most of the time that I have been overly critical and overly harsh and cynical about another person saying that God is doing something in their life, it was probably because I felt like that God was distant at the time. Mm-hmm. And the times when I trusted and I had faith that God was doing something else and doing something in somebody else's life was when God felt closer to me than he felt before. Yeah. And I think this taps into our own insecurity if I see you thriving with God, instead of just stepping back and saying, I, I can be honest with God, oh, that makes me sad, I'm jealous, I wish I had that, you know, but then to, to say, and I'm choosing to trust you with this, it's so very important because often I will say, well, you know, e- either it's like, what's wrong with me? I guess I'm broken, I guess I'm terrible, I guess I'm whatever, or they're lying. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're lying, it's not true. It had been so easy for Obadiah to say, you're just a man. Who do you think you are? You know, I, I don't know how you got to Ahab's head that you're the cause of this. Where have you been for the last three years? Yeah, I've been. You, keep, if you were really a person of God. I've been holding this king together. I have saved countless lives. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, what have you done? And he's like, well, there was this widow. And I'm like, she's not even an Israelite, <laughs> you know? And it, it's just like that idea of um, we we tend to, I, I genuinely, I'm speaking for me. I love Jesus. I trust God. And I am one bad thing away from seriously questioning the whole thing. You know, and, and I, that's a weakness. I'm not I'm not saying oh, that's great about me, but but then I'm like, oh yeah, God gets me. Mm-hmm. God gets me. And I go back to so many of our messages in the past about whether it's Jesus in Gethsemane or John the Baptist, you know, we're going way back to what the second episode, you know, John the Baptist saying, Hey, are you really the Messiah? And I'm like, hey, you're the guy that left in the womb. Like you should be the least questioning. And, and it's like, yeah, welcome to your humanity, humanity. It's like, no matter how much you trust God, you're one second away from being hit in a different way of you saying, well, I didn't think it worked that way. And God's like, okay, I get it. You don't think it worked that way. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be like the guys in the boat going, why don't you care about us? Or are you going to be the guys in the boat going, huh, I've never seen him calm this type of storm, but I bet he could. Let's see what happens. And so for Elijah to look at Obadiah and say, wow, a man of faith. And for Obadiah to look at Elijah and say, wow, a man of faith. That's real trust there. And not letting that be a judgment on you or a judgment on the other person. Yeah. So I think, man, I, we're, we're just going to cut right there because that's going to leave me personally with just so much to think about and so much to ponder and, and pray about. And so I pray that that has also stirred something um, deep within you. Next week, uh, if you want to go ahead and read ahead, uh, if you want to finish chapter 18, so that's verses 
16 through 46 yeah 16 16 through 46 um we're gonna try to we're gonna cover the whole chapter we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in the context of the rest of of the chapter maybe for time's sake if we go really long we'll break it up into two parts but if you just want to go ahead and read we'll be covering the rest of chapter 18 grace peace and love